and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, 100 million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom. Then the father hen will call his chickens home. The wise men will bow down before... Welcome to the Football Goonies Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Sethwick. As always, you can find me on Twitter at the FF Goonie. Welcome to today's show, The Man Comes Around. Today we're going to review Week 3 matchups, uh, go over some of the poor decisions in the league and some of the real good moves that people weren't expecting, and then preview Week 4. But before we head into that, let's get into the Week in News. Starting off with some player news. After the third 400-yard game for Ryan Fitzpatrick, setting an NFL record for most uh, consecutive 400-yard games in a row, it seems unlikely that he'll lose the job this week to Jameis Winston. So if you're planning on uh, getting old famous Jameis back for this week, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Greg Olson says that he is ahead of schedule on his rehab and likely to return soon. I'll hold my uh, breath there, Greg. Uh, Basically, the only news I take away from this is he's uh, somewhat worth a stash, but I'm actually not confident going forward in him, even if he does come back. We've seen it with players like Julio Jones, 
the the player never fully recovers within the season and it's going to take another off-season surgery in order to get back to 100%. So uh, the sunset might have actually set on him as he is getting a little older and a little worse for wear. Old John Gruden's at it again, saying that he thinks Derek Carr was too aggressive late in the game. Uh, John needs to really get a hold of his team at this point. He also has claimed that he can't get pass rush and that Amari Cooper is the problem. And then he was fine for 10 for 10 and over 100 yards, and now he's the problem again. Uh, I'm pretty sure John's just a little out of touch, and he's got to figure out what he's doing on the team. Looks like uh, Everson Griffin of the Minnesota Vikings is dealing with some mental health issues, which is uh, never fun and a little scary with players in the league, and it looks like he'll be out at least a little while trying to get help, so that's a big hit for the Vikings' defense. Uh, there is a possibility, though, that the Vikings will return Dalvin Cook this week to play against the Rams. I wouldn't expect him. I think he's actually going to hold out one more week. They want to be a little more careful. And this is uh, looking like a real tough matchup, considering the defense won't be able to get as much pressure, and the offensive line still isn't uh, playing the greatest. So I expect them to hold him out one more week, but we'll see what, how it goes. And the Tennessee Titans signed perennial backup quarterback Austin Davis, further giving uh, into the fears that Marcus Mariota is 100% as he continues to try to give himself the stranger, not being able to feel his hand and the balls within it. Speaking of injured quarterbacks, Jimmy Handsome himself looks like he's going to be working on that sweet, sweet tan the rest of the year as he took a needless ACL tear trying to get an extra half yard. Uh, after really watching the play, uh, I don't know what he was thinking trying to get a little extra yardage when he should have gone straight out, but uh, he paid the price just going to show that quarterbacks are taking way too many risks nowadays as far as their body is concerned. Also in injury news for the 49ers, it looks like both Alfred Morris and Breda avoided any uh, real structural damage or problems. Uh, Morris, I believe, is dealing with an ankle, and Breda, they were worried about his ACL, but it looks like it's just a sprained knee or something. Um, they're not really sure if he's going to be available this week, but uh, Morris should be good to go, so we'll see how that turns out. Sticking in the NFC West, we have the uh, pretty much the entirety of the Rams secondaries injured. Half of them have been ruled out. Uh, we're still waiting for words on a few of them, but it looks like it's going to help open up things a little bit for Kirk Cousins after that horrible loss. He might be able to redeem himself in the passing game. Uh, basically, it's just going to come down to if they can handle that... Uh, that nasty Rams rush defense. Over in Jacksonville, we had Leonard Fournette spotted at practice to start the week and yelled and held out. Although I don't think he's 100%, I think Fournette might make his way back into the game time this week. Uh, staying over on the East Coast, we have Alshon Jeffrey, who's been cleared for contact. I don't think he's going to play this week. They'll be a little safe with him and wait one more. But this puts him on track for a Week 5 return. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, isn't practicing, and he is, of course, going to play. I don't think anyone's really worried about it, but at less than 80% even, he is uh, still dangerous, but one bad hit away from being out for the year. Sticking with the quarterbacks, we have Tyrod Taylor still in the concussion protocol. No one's really surprised and no one really cares as Baker Mayfield is now the starting quarterback. Uh, speaking of NFC North, we have A.J. Green where team is optimistic on his status with the groin injury, but I think this is still bad news. It's real easy to re-injure and hurt the groin worse with, uh, without taking that rest, and I think that kind of affects uh, Mr. Tyler Boyd. If Green was either hampered or would miss, I think that coverage would not would cease to be rolled his direction and would start um, they'd start bracketing over on Boyd more, giving him a little more issue because if you watch the game, he didn't really go up and contest a lot of the catches. He was wide open. And not to say that his route running didn't have anything to do with it, but the team just did not seem that worried with him. Uh, over in Patriots camp, old Sexy Rexy himself is uh, being sent to the IR for a neck injury. Not really sure if he'll be able to come back this season, but with the way he's been playing and the return of Sony Michelle, I think that it is uh, likely we do not see him the rest of the year. And finally, we have Shady McCoy. Uh, he's back at practice. He looked uh, rather happy that Josh Allen was doing so well last week. And uh, I think if he returns, that he's actually going to finally see an uptick not only in rushing yards, but more targets. And I think his value is going to bounce back to mid, mid to low running back two numbers. Moving over to our leagues, we only had uh, one transaction of consequence with the trade happening in the Dynasty League. On Tuesday, we had Dan, this means war, sending over Mark Ingram II and Antonio Callaway in return for Alex Smith and Wendell Smallwood from the Americans. So, based on just looking at the traded... Uh, on paper, purely in our 2QB league, uh, I do like the Mark Ingram-Antonio Callaway side for a dynasty uh, better. Uh, Mark Ingram's clearly needed on that New Orleans team as they cannot really do much of anything in the rushing game, relying on Drew Brees to run in two touchdowns himself. And Antonio Callaway, with Baker finally playing, has a uptick in... Opportunity, plus he's super young, super talented, as long as he keeps his head on straight. Now, with that said, I know why each team kind of uh, did it. I know the Americans are a little worried, having to rely on, like, LaShawn McCoy, John Brown, uh, and guys that just popped out of nowhere, like Tyler Boyd, um, with people like Josh Gordon and Flux and, uh, and Chris Hogan, too. It's, it's a lot of iffy stuff, so I know why he made the move as far as going after some players, but his quarterbacks are a little weak, too. He's really relying on Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, and Blake Bortles, and none of those excite me right now. But if he's able to get just enough production out of it, I think the Americans did a good move bolstering their depth a little bit. And for Dan, um, I do like the move. 
I know with a hobbled Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr as his other quarterback, things haven't worked out since trading away previous pieces, and he doesn't have people like Josh McCown actually playing, and same with Sam Bradford now, so it was definitely a necessary move, and I do like him getting uh, Alex Smith, especially with all the pieces that have emerged and are established on his team. I think that Carlos Hyde kind of allowed him. Doug Baldwin will be back soon. Uh, it, it's a win-win for both teams, but I think as far as the need and filling it and what was given up to get it, I actually think uh, Dan did a little better, but they're both winners in my book. Other than that, the only other transactions we had in either league were some free agent pickups that I don't really want to get into. So with that, that was This Week in the News. Alright, now let's move on to Week 3 Review. So starting off with the Keeper League, we had our first matchup between yours truly, Macho Man, Francis, and Carpe Victoria. And I took myself for the win as we wanted to, uh, you know, finally stop uh, letting Carpe just ride on the laurels of easy matches and uh, introduced him into the league proper. And I was not wrong, keeping him with the theme of today's episode, When the Man Comes Around. Old Ryan Fitzpatrick Connor McGregor, the magic man himself, dropped 31.1 points, which was more than enough to match up Big Ben's huge game. Uh, I also had some show-ups between Saquon Barkley, Breda, even though he got hurt, Landry, who we'll talk a little bit more later on. Uh, old Sammy Watkins and Gio Bernard. I mean, pretty much any way you turn it, I played this perfectly. Although I could have thrown Marvin Jones Jr. in there, it wouldn't have made one difference because Chris Thompson and Kenyon Drake just didn't show up and pretty much spelled any chance that Carpe Victoria had of coming in with a victory. Uh, I really don't know what Miami's doing uh, with Drake. He's not seeing any workload yet. They keep winning, so why are they going to change things? It's just uh, it's maddening, but hopefully they get punched in the mouth soon so they can stop listening to Adam Gase's craziness and play well. Um, so pretty much uh, Carpe Victoria had no chance. His only other decent performer was a quarterback that did barely anything compared to what Big Ben did. So kudos to me. Uh, one thing that I do not deserve kudos on is the close-up ma- or close matchup between Finkelis Einhorn and the Megalodons. Uh, my goodness, man. This one came down to the wire. Um... 
Keeping in with the theme, Deshaun Watson came around finally and had a hell of a day, even though he played like crap for the first half. Uh, but it just wasn't enough. And even though I took the Megalodons to win, they just decided to fall short. Um, probably even with a Philip Lindsay punch that only got him uh, two points before the ejection. The man did come around and deliver massive, massive games from Mike Evans and a good game from uh, Chris Godwin. So the final score was 119-6 to 117. Uh, unfortunately, if only Brian had uh, foretold this happening and maybe slotted in, I don't know, say... Uh, John Brown for Allen Robinson worried about that Patrick Peterson uh, matchup, and then he could have played someone like Calvin Ridley or Royce Freeman. Can't really blame him. I thought he was the favorite going in, so uh, nothing he could have really done, and Finkel Zeinhorn really didn't have any tough decisions to make other than TJ Yeldon, uh, which would have easily secured the uh, game had he played him over Philip Lindsay. Moving on, we got Scranton Stranglers versus The Great One. This is another one I had wrong. We're getting into a theme, trust me. Uh, having uh, picked The Great One, he was uh, massacred by a total of 113.7 to 103.9. Actually, not that big a loss. But it sounds more dramatic when I say it that way. Although uh, he hasn't looked great, I don't think anyone expected Tom Brady to do so horribly as he did, especially compared to a hobbled Aaron Rodgers. But uh, that and uh, Mr. Pierre Garçon putting up a 1.6 is what really did him in. Who knew he went with the wrong old man as Jordy Nelson was left on the bench with 26.3 points. Um, basically, Scranton Stranglers had an easy one as they could have pretty much filled anyone that was active in for Chris Hogan and the Flex and done even better, having left Lockett, Allison, Carson, and Boyd all on the bench with touchdowns, and even little Naheem Hines outscored Chris Hogan. So good win by Scranton Stranglers. Looks like uh, Gill finally uh, shook off the injury bug other than Shady. And uh, threw it on to the great one as he was really hurting, missing Joe Mixon and Lenny Fournette. In the next matchup, we had Popeye Sailorman versus SC Honkers, my pick for this matchup. And although Cam Newton tried his best to keep up with Drew Brees, the rest of his team did not. Uh, Melvin Gordon failed to outscore Marshawn Lynch even against that Rams front. Tevin Coleman did nothing against New Orleans other than getting a receiving touchdown, and Keenan Allen was missing in action, having only gotten 3.9 points. Uh, this was just utter failure over most of Honker's teams, and the only points he left on the board was Sterling Shepard, who he could, I guess, played against over Latavius Murray. But I don't think anyone expected the Vikings game to go the way they did. Um, not getting any points from his kicker, Dan Bailey, also didn't help. As far as Popeye's sailor man, he left some big points on with Mike Williams and James White, uh, over Corey Clement would have been fine plays, but he really didn't need it, as this was a savage beating of 142.3 to 105.2.
And keeping within theme of the Vikings disappointing people, most of all yours truly, my pick, Turn Your Head in Coughlin, lost of a score of 109.1 to 123.1 to Brown and some scrubs. Now, this was on the back of Matt Ryan going full ham with 50.2 points and Kirk Cousins doing pretty much nothing with all of them turnovers only getting 12 points on his way to giving only Stefan Diggs 3.7. This was just a rough one. Minnesota defense, receiving, and quarterback all let Clay down. And there was really nothing he could have done to make up the difference. Uh, it's not like Brown and some scrubs did astronomically well, aside from Christian McCaffrey going uh, all railroad with the rushing yardage. And Matt Ryan, the rest of the team, actually kind of disappointed. Deion Lewis, 5-5. Antonio Brown salvaged his day with the touchdown, but otherwise got 6 for 50 yards. Tyreek didn't do much of anything. Uh, Nelson Aguilar was a big uh, bust in my opinion. I thought he was open to have a huge game with Carson Wentz back. But uh, say la vie, that's what happens sometimes. So go get him next time, Tiger. And finally, the last matchup of the week was Unger and France versus Hot Noonan Butchers. That's right. Axel took the beating to the Butchers. 113 to 77 8. I don't think anyone was really surprised at this, uh, other than a good receiver or two good receivers and a returning quarterback and a good D. There's not really much on Noonan's team, and Axel put in a pretty okay day. Uh, had he, other than Patty Jack Mahomes and Carlos Hyde having big games, uh, the rest kind of disappointed, but it was enough to bring in the win. So to review, the only two I got right were my match and Frenchies, while the Megalodons, the Great One, SC Honkers, and Turn Your Head and Coughlin all dropped the ball. I worked you over with the ugly stick. And now moving on to the Dynasty League. <laughs> First up, we have the Frenchies versus This Means War. I took uh, I took old Dan Krieg to uh, win this one, and he he sure let me down. Uh, at QB, we had Cam Newton and One Leg Garoppolo versus Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and even though Jimmy GQ uh, tore his ACL, he still got more handsome points than either of the uh, Wars QBs. And then uh, everything kind of plotted in doing all right otherwise. Uh, Howard, Coleman, Hopkins, Allen didn't deliver. Ingram got hurt and didn't deliver. Juju, I mean, he, they didn't do exceptionally well, but the QBs put in enough performance, and they did all right enough. And unfortunately... This means War dropped the ball a little bit, uh, going trying to go with that hotness of Chris Thompson on the efficiency and Q 
Keelan Cole in a game that uh, wasn't really expected to be that high scoring and didn't disappoint in that regard. Uh, he left Carlos Hyde and and uh, Sammy Watkins was the uh, the big question mark, pl not playing him in the San Francisco game. But uh, had those two been in for the less question mark players or either receiver and Chris Thompson playing the volume game, you would have come out with the win. But that's just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, kudos to Axel for also picking up the Seahawks D as both the Chargers and Saints scored negative points. Next up, we had I've Got a Thielen Woohoo versus Team Gravelin in the Barb Burner of the Week. Now, I'm glad that Thielen won and I was right, but my goodness, this is like watching the Jacksonville, Tennessee game all over again. Bad quarterback play, low scoring, just kind of too hard to watch. Uh, so, old uh, Mitch Trubisky show continues to show us what uh, what he is as a horrifically not good quarterback. Uh, but that's okay because Tyrod Taylor did his best to help him out by not only playing poorly but also getting hurt. So even though Mitchie uh, didn't score very well at 5.6, he did outscore his counterpart, who got three points. Uh, from there, it was a bad running back play other outside of Melvin Gordon in this matchup, and a couple decent plays at receiver between Landry, Thielen, Beckham versus uh, Adams. Uh, A.J. Green managed to pull himself out of this one, though, and not give him a chance, and this was just awful, awful. Ugh, it was like a punch to the nut watching this game. Ooh, three-nut punch right there. So, not really to dwell on anything other than, uh, too bad you sat Philip Rivers over, uh, Tyrod and Andrew Luck. Uh, Marshawn did more from your bench, Cooper Cup did, Sanu did, Albert Wilson did, although no one's playing him, and Eli did. So actually, some the best scoring quarterbacks in this whole week for this matchup were all on the bench. Uh, the only way you could have been worse is if you were Jameis Winston not playing, or Ronald Jones, or Julian Edelman, or Deontay Foreman. Or, 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 man, there is a big theme here on I've Got a Feeling, woohoo. But what he did have is a woo win. So, good job, Clay. It must be nice not playing teams that are good. So, next up, we got Jones in for some TDs versus... Now, this one was also a predicted barn burner as uh, Jones and Fertitis had the clear-cut advantage, and even though the 55 seems to uh, bolster a I-have-the-best-QB uh, position in the league, yet couldn't even ima uh, manage more than, what, 21.2 points between the two of them. Big Ben Roethlisberger outscored both, so... Man, if only you had played... Uh, Number one pick, Jared Goff, but 
That's all right. Uh, you opted for the runner-up who put up nothing with 11.2 from Carson Wentz in a game that he just was trying to find his bearings. Uh, other than the one good quarterback play, uh, there were some okay running back plays. Um, mostly terrible, to be honest. And then uh, one or two, yeah, like two, maybe three good receiver plays in this with... Uh, Mike Evans and Sanders, and then some OKs between Cooks and Julio. Ugh, this was just ugly and had no chance of being an exciting game, but uh, congratulations to Jones and for some TDs. You are uh, now 3-0 and as Mr. Greenwood now has faced pretty much no one of consequence in his first season in the league. Although I'm sure uh, Brian's going to play this off as uh, something weird happened and uh, no one would ever play these players. So it's not my fault I lost, but it's your fault that you have the team you have. So uh, good luck trying to predict when Calvin Ridley is going to go off. Uh, you probably missed his best game of his entire career. But at least you have uh, forward to look to, or you get to look forward to uh just complaining about how I disrespect you some more because I'm sure it's coming real soon. So, next up on the matchups list, we have Fear the Juice versus Team Bye Week. Now, Team Bye Week, Chris uh, let me down again as uh, I picked him to win, and he got just decimated by Mike today. Decimated. So, uh, first up on the quarterback front, we had uh, old Patty Jack Mahomes, greatest quarterback ever, get outscored by over 15 points by Drew Brees. And Sam Darnold continues his see, I told you so tour by uh, following up with another clunker at 2.8 points. Uh, lucky for him, there was a glimmer of hope as David Johnson and Kareem Hunt both had their best games of the season. I am still a little worried about that Arizona offense, and Kareem Hunt is just not getting the usage he needs. But uh, once again, Stefan Diggs let someone down as he only put 3.7 points up. And again, the opponent was relatively mediocre, having one, two, three, four players that didn't score double digits and a couple that were near Larry, the low end compared to what they should have been with Andy Dalton and Antonio Brown in the 14-point range. So uh, moving forward, it's kind of hurtful for Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, Kareem Hunt. These are all big question mark players that you're going to have to figure out. Um, as far as the what could have been, I mean, you picked up the number one quarterback in the league, but you didn't play old uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick over Sam Darnold. That could have put you in this game. In fact, that would have put you real close. And then uh, leaving Mike Williams on the bench, not really going to fault you there as that Rams defense was scary. But uh, moving forward, he might end up finding his way into the starting role. Uh, the tough one is more figuring out what to do with people like Gronk. And uh, like I said, those, uh, those running backs of David Johnson and Kareem Hunt uh, as far as Fear the Juice, I mean, all solid plays. Didn't really leave too much off the table other than uh, number one Ravens running back, Javorius Allen. Uh, 
I really don't know what's going on there in uh, Baltimore and how they keep justifying it, but a solid win for Mike, and kudos, sir. Next up, we have the match of the week between yours truly, Bill Belichick, Puppet Master, versus the Americans. Now, clearly this was the only worthwhile match paying attention to as it was high scoring and close with a bit of a nail biter towards the end. Now, I'm not going to lie, I was actually sweating it a little bit as I got very little out of uh, James Conner to start that game. And I just sat there and I was like, am I really going to lose as one of the better teams again this week? Is anyone more disrespected than me in this league? As I am just killing it on the points totals. But I just go against these monsters of teams that don't perform other than when they play against me. And I'm like, no, this can't be. This can't be happening. What is going on? But then, you put your faith in a man. And you trust in one of the greatest things of all time. You trust in smooth, smooth routes. really nothing you could have done to handle the power of my team. Deshaun Watson returned to being the man with fantasy glory, even if he didn't play that well. Ryan Tannehill showed you he still got it. Mm, Christian McCaffrey said, I don't need catches to get points. Let me just grab this rock and run all over your face. James Connors, like, sure. You know what? I'll get you that win, Jason. Amari Cooper's like, I'll just take the game off. You don't need me. Ricky Seals Jones is like, all you need is one catch from me, stud. That's all you need to win. And then came in. Mm, those smooth, smooth routes of Kenny Galladay. And then the Vikings are like, you know what, we don't want to win this game. But here's five points that you can win. That's all you need. You don't need Marvin Jones sitting on the bench with 14-9. Or Alfred Morris being the lead back for the week. Because old Matt Breda took the game off. Mm. But that's how it goes. I mean, you get some good production out of Alex Smith and Russell Wilson both putting in double digits. 
Saquon Barkley's like, I'll drop 20 points on you. Mm. Adrian Peterson's like, I know I'm old, but I did it first, so here's 24. But then you get scared. scared of those, those sweet, sweet routes. And that's why John Brown only put up 11-1. Tyreek, the freak, was freaked out and only put up 6-6. Hell, Jordan Reed, Rule 86, said, no, I'm going to get you 8.5 on your way to losing. I mean, even though Devin S. Scrumptious came in with you for a touchdown and the Browns outscored my defense... There is nothing you could do. Nothing but play Josh Allen, who no one's going to do. Sit Tyreek the Freak for Tyler Boyd. That's not a smart decision in most circles. But what are you going to do when you come up to smooth routes? And that concludes our week three review. When we get back, we're going to go over our week four previews. But in the meantime, we're going to take a short break and go visit our good friend, the fantasy philosopher, for his hot young stud of the week. Mm. So we'll see you back here in a minute. Thanks for stopping by. Musings with me, Brian, the fantasy philosopher. Aimed at attaining clearness of apprehension, the pragmatic maximum attributed to Charles Sanders' purse is as follows. Consider what effects that might conceivably have practical bearings we conceive the object of our conception to have. Then our conception of these effects is the whole of our conception. For example, for the pragmatist, our conception of key is not our grasp of some ideal form that is commonly manifested as a small metal object with various notches. Alternatively, 
Our conception of the key is the culmination of all the perceived consequences we can envision due to said conception. That is the reason a key may take the form of a small metal object, a plastic card, or a series of numbers that grant us access to a place previously restricted, whereas at the same time you may have a small metal object that looks like a key not be a key, if in fact it does not open any doors, a, consequ a consequence we commonly associate with keyness. With that being said, our week four fantasy breakout will be Baker Mayfield, quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. I already know what you're going to say, but fantasy philosopher, didn't Baker break out last week? No, dear listener, you have not even begun to understand the Baker breakout. Why, you might ask? Consequences. It is the consequences. Let me explain. You cannot uh, properly conceive of the breakout because the consequences are outside of your current understanding. Let me share a few with you right now. Swagger. Baker exudes swagger. And the NFL runs on swagger these days. Swagger is going to propel the Browns to playoff contention this year. Second consequence, intimidation. Baker's aura is so physically dominant that Sharks have a week dedicated to him. Secondaries across the NFL, NFL will play passively and fall right into Baker's hands. Third consequence, intelligence. Baker is so intelligent he was able to win the World Series of Poker one year while only using Uno cards. The NFL is not ready to handle the beautiful mind levels of preparation that Baker will unleash on them. Fourth consequence, unbridled masculinity. Baker's unrelenting masculine charisma is a borderline public health concern. Upon entering last Thursday's game, every Cleveland female of childbearing age was instantly impregnated with his child. So there will be a lot of Baker Juniors born in about nine months. That's just more people to cheer on his march to the NFL defense this, defenses this season. In closing, I would like to uh, close this episode of Fantasy Musings by thanking Ryan Fitzpatrick. Going into last Monday night's contest, I was projected to win my weekly matchup by more than 10 points because the only way I could lose is if Get Evans and Godwin combined for more than 37 points. And of course, you let me down, sir. I hope you enjoy your new job of carrying around a case of crab legs so that your replacement does not fall prey to any destructive temptations. Fantasy Philosopher out. again to the fantasy philosopher let's all uh hope he doesn't fall prey to any temptations himself after that interesting hot young stud of the week so moving on now we're gonna move into week four previews <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So, starting off in the Keeper League, our first matchup is between 
The Great One versus the Megalodons. Now, lately, the Great One's been the not-so-great one as he's still looking for his first win in the league. And Megalodons, after disappointing me last week, are sitting at 1-2. and two. So, starting off at the QB position, we have Tom Brady, TB12 himself, versus Deshaun Watson. Now, on paper, Miami is not a great defense, but they've been playing over the heads. Uh, who knows, though, it might be just because they've been playing against some not-so-great offenses. So, I'm actually going to give advantage to Deshaun Watson in this one. Their defense is not great, and they're going to have to put up points. And honestly, I just don't like Tom Brady right now until he shows me something otherwise. I feel like he's lost a step until he gets all his weapons back. Now, if Josh Gordon manages to make his way on the field and Sony Michelle runs super effectively and picks it up in the passing game the way Rex Burkhead can play, then he might have a chance. But I'm going to go for the upset with Deshaun Watson on this one. Now, something else that's been an upset is uh, Kareem Hunt and Lamar Miller versus Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott. Now, this is kind of a risky one because as of right now, the only other running back on the Great Ones team is Theo Riddick. And if Leonard Fournette can't play, then he is in some hot water right now. Um, I mean, honestly, the big question mark is if Fournette plays. Hopefully, he will. Uh, they're saying he's getting into practice. They think he's going to play, but it's still a big question. All we could hope for is for him to run. Run. But that's okay because Kareem Hunt in Denver is not looking great. And Lamar Miller, he's probably the better of the two running backs for the Megalodons especially with that matchup in Indy, but we're not sure how much he's actually going to be needed. Zeke's the only one I feel confident in. Even though Detroit's new defensive plan of going, hey, we're just going to stop your only good player and let you beat us the other way, worked with Gronk and the Pats. I don't know if it'll work here as that line is still very good. So I'm going to look at this as Fournette is playing, and obvious advantage goes to the great one. Uh, over to the wide receivers, we have Pierre Garçon and Robert Woods versus Julio and Allen Robinson. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for Pierre Garçon being bleh, you know what? We're going to move Pierre Garçon into the flex. Let's, let's take an honest look at it and beat Robert Woods and Kenny Galladay versus Julio and Allen Robinson. Now, I think Kenny Galladay and Julio are the matchup to watch. Um, there is a strong chance Kenny G himself gets the smooth routes and outscores Mr. Jones. Um, so that's kind of it. And then Allen Robinson is playing with one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He's just awful so far with Mitch Trubisky. And Robert Woods is playing lights out, but that mini defense is going to look to bounce back. Unfortunately... He's more of the possession guy, and I doubt he's going to see much of Xavier Rhodes. And that pass rush is going to suffer uh, missing Everson Griffin. So I'm actually going to give the advantage to Kenny Galladay and Robert Woods, believe it or not. 
Uh, Julio is just starting to scare me. I think Calvin Ridley is going to free up some targets for him more than he did. They'll have to play a little more honest. But I'm going to go advantage on the Woods, Galladay side. Uh, tight end, that's another tough one. You got two teams that are playing good defenses that are susceptible to the tight end just because they cover the the receiver so well. The difference is Denver is mostly healthy, and I think they'll probably view Kelsey as the biggest threat in the pass game next to Sammy Watkins. Uh, Tyreek is just too fast, and they're not going to game plan for him that much. So they'll just bracket a safety to his end and try not to give up big plays. So I actually see them playing harder against Kelsey than uh, the Rams do against Rudolph. Their secondary is hurt, and they're going to have to deal with Diggs and Thielen all day. And I think Rudolph's going to eat. I'm going to give a slight edge to Rudolph in the Thursday night game, even though that's risky. And I'm sure Kelsey will get his. So we'll see on that. Uh, in the flex right now, we got Pierre Garçon versus John Brown. Uh, there is a chance that Carrion Johnson or Royce Freeman make it into there. Maybe even Calvin Ridley. Be a little scary to double dip. And for uh, Pierre Garçon, I can't really see him keeping Garçon in with Beathard starting. But he might be playing that game. Um, this might be an opportunity to see if Jordy Nelson is a two-hit wonder. Or to get theoretic in or look for someone on the waivers. So either way, I'm going to give the advantage to John Brown or whoever replaces him. Because I don't believe in Garcon or Nelson or Riddick. Uh, as far as defenses, they're both strong plays this week. Although the Eagles are a little healthier. Um, they get a slightly that worst matchup to me, uh, Mariota can be serviceable. He presents a bigger problem with those weapons than the Niners do with C.J. Beathard. Uh, although the Chargers are missing Bosa still and have been banged up, I think this one's kind of a wash. So uh, I'm going to call it even Stevens on that. Kickers don't matter. So let's go through. And with the advantage, I'm going to take and that flex is what really makes it tough, and the Tom Brady. Uh, although I don't think uh, Kareem Hunt is going to do great in the receivers. I'm going to call for the Megalodons to win and extend great ones, losses to four. Um, honestly, this could go either way, and a lot of it comes down to Fournette. But uh, I'm just going to have to go with the, the Fuller team that uh, I think has a quarterback with a better play in him this week. So next up, we got SC Honkers versus Scranton Stranglers. At the quarter po quarterback position, we got Andy Dalton versus Aaron Rodgers. Now, one-leg Rodgers is a step up over Dalton, but that Atlanta D is looking rough. And since Rodgers uh, might have found a running back with the returning Aaron Jones to take a little bit off his plate, this is going to be kind of tough to actually sell. And I'm still going to bet on Dalton letting me down. This is a juicy matchup. And it should go well, so I don't trust in the Red Rifle. Plus, I think A.J. Green's a little hampered as 
Whereas Rodgers has all the healthy weapons in the world. It's just him that has a little bit of problem, but he is great. So give me the advantage to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, up at running back, we got Melvin Gordon and Tevin Coleman versus Chris Carson and David Johnson. Now, I think David Johnson's going to find himself a little bit, uh, get back to form with the quarterback change in the simplified offense. But unless they beat it into Rosen's head that he needs to catch 8 to 10 passes a week, um, I, I don't see how I could give him the advantage over Melvin Gordon. Even if Melvin Gordon's going to get some limited work because they're going to probably bring in Eckler to spell him, I still think he gets his and he's a bit of advantage. Uh, the bigger question is Tevin Coleman, who really didn't do too much last week, versus Chris Carson who just went ham for some reason out of nowhere after I dropped him. But that's okay because I don't believe him, and I don't believe in him, and I do believe in the Arizona defense stopping him a little bit. So give me that Tevin Coleman versus Chris Carson, which means advantage SC Honkers on the running backs. At the receivers, we got Keenan Allen and Emmanuel Sanders versus OBJ and Michael Thomas. Although I look at this as a somewhat bounce back for Keenan Allen, I am a little worried about uh, Mike Williams taking work away from him. And although Sanders is going to go crazy ham because of the high-scoring game that could be involved, it's not a sure thing. But a sure thing is Michael Thomas is the number one receiver and OBJ is going to have to keep up with them if the Giants have a chance. So advantage, Michael Thomas, OBJ. On the tight end front, we got OJ Howard versus Austin Hooper. Now, Austin Hooper, we all know my feelings on him is not a good play and I like OJ Howard, but man, is he facing the toughest the toughest linebacker cord that he possibly can right now in Chicago. So as much as I like O.J. Howard and them slinging it all over the place, unless they completely bracket to the receivers and leave Howard out there, I think Hooper has a easier path to targets. But I'm still, you know what, I'm still going to lean on Fitzmagic playing, and I'm still going to lean on that beautiful beard getting it done. So I call it a wash, but I'll lean slightly Howard. Uh, over on the flex position, we got Sterling Shepard versus Geronimo Allison. The uh, the number three options on each team, number two now for uh, Sterling Shepard with the Ingram injury. That's a tough one to call. I mean, you got some decent uh, players on the bench that might find their way in, but we're going to assume it's these two guys. And I'm going to go advantage. Geronimo, Allison, but not by much. And it's because I think they're going to get OBJ going. The question is, if OBJ gets going, will Sterling Shepard be able to get going? Um, and... Honestly, I feel like Rodgers can independently support all three of his receivers. I don't feel the same for Eli. I think that only two receiving options are quality, and I'm going to guess it's Saquon and OBJ and Sterling Shepard. He's going to have a decent game, but not quite as good as Geronimo. 
Uh, next up, we got the Browns versus the Rams in the trap defenses of the week. I think the Browns are actually the advantage here. I don't believe in Oakland's offense. And honestly, that Browns defense has looked good, whereas the Rams are the trap. Uh, their secondary is not looking great as of late. And Minnesota is motivated as hell. And they have the weapons to take the top off. I honestly think, although the Rams will do decent, that the Browns will outscore. And then kickers, again, never matter. But if I had to guess, I'd probably put Dan Bailey on more attempts than Harrison Buck kicker. So advantage Bailey, I guess. And with Rodgers, the receiving core, the flex at the advantage, but that run game is looking good. I think the receivers are going to do enough. It's going to come down, honestly, to the flex defenses and QBs. And, hmm. You know what? I'm going to call for the upset, and I'm going to say, even though he let me down last week, that SC Honkers pulls out the win over Scranton Stranglers. Next up, we have Finkel is Einhorn versus Popeye Sailormen, the 3-0 Juggernauts. Uh, QB, we got Matty Snapback himself, Stafford, going up against Drew Brees. And although I think Stafford's matchup's just fine, give me the advantage to Brees. He has just been balling out. And I think the Giants have a better chance of putting up points against the Saints, which necessitates more throws from Brees. So give me those offensive points from New Orleans. Uh, running back, we have the question mark of Jay Ajayi and Alex Collins versus Gurley and Lynch. This is an obvious call going to uh, Gurley on the win here for everything. There is a chance that if Philip Lindsay isn't uh, suspended that he gets in there for Ajayi if Ajayi doesn't play. But I'm not loving the Ajayi matchup either way. If he does play, Tennessee has a pretty stout defense. And I think they're going to get it done more in the air this week. As far as Ox Collins, I think it's going to be more the same. as He's going to get game planned out. And he is not going to get the ball nearly as much. And I think that Oakland is intending to lean on the rock a little more with Lynch and stop letting Carr be so aggressive. So give me advantage, Gurley and Lynch. At the receivers, we have Adam hooked on a Thielen versus Will Fuller, or and Will Fuller versus Mike Evans and Cooper Cup. Uh, although I think Evans is fantastic the way Fitz has been slinging it, uh, Thielen I think is going to be another... PPR play this week, and then Will Fuller is going to take the top off that indie defense, whereas Cooper Cup, I think, gets bracketed in the red zone, so it's going to have to make his uh, payday more between the 20s, so give me advantage, Thielen and Fuller, but that's okay, because as good as Trey Burton can be, he's got the worst quarterback ever, so on the tight end front, we're going to give the advantage to Zach Ertz. Although Dallas Goddard is stealing some work from him, he's still going to get plenty of his. Now, Alshon coming back potentially would muddle things a little bit, but I'm not going to bet against Zach Ertz, especially for a Mitch Trubisky weapon. Uh, the flex, that's the tough one. We got Chris Godwin, who is likely to see lesser coverage than uh, his counterpart Mike Evans and Mike Williams. Uh... 
I mean, this is going to be the call of, do you believe Godwin and Evans is going to get enough work? Uh, or will Mike Williams just catch more touchdowns? And honestly, he's such a big, strong weapon. I give the advantage to Mike Williams. I think he has a better chance of getting in the end zone this week, and that's kind of what you want from the flex. As far as defenses, give me, man, it's Bears versus that vaunted Tampa Bay offense or the Cowboys versus Detroit. I think they're both not great options, but I'm going to take Tampa Bay, although, I mean, I'm going to take the Bears, although Tampa Bay should throw up a ton of yards. They will give up sacks. They will probably have some turnovers, whereas the Cowboys will be put in negative game scripts because that offense is horrid. So, with the major advantages in almost every position, I'm going to go with Popeye Sailor Men beating out Finkel's Einhorn and sending them to 500. Next up, we have Turn Your Head and Coughlin versus the now humbled Carpe Victoria. Now, at quarterback, we got Kirk Cousins trying to redeem himself versus Big Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, there is a chance that Clay goes on the waiver and picks up another quarterback to maybe slide in instead of Kirk, but I actually think Kirk's going to ball out enough, and Big Ben is a little bit of a trap for me, but I think he still gets it done. He doesn't always play Baltimore well, but being at home, you kind of got to go with uh, with the rapey Ben Roethlisberger and give him the uh, advantage. At running back, it's Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook versus Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler, two completely different looking running back cores. Uh, now, it should be mentioned that if Dalvin Cook doesn't play, there's a good chance that Alfred Morris slots in for him or a waiver wire pickup, whereas Austin Eckler should see some uptick in uh, usage because San Francisco and Kenyon Drake, it's really hard to predict him. Uh, I'm going to go advantage Alvin Kamara and Cook just based on Kamara alone. I think he can outscore both the other running backs, so anything on top of him is just gravy. Coming in at the receiving core, we got Demarius Thomas and Golden Tate versus Stefan Diggs and Corey Davis. Actually, it'll be Devontae Adams. So looking at Diggs and Adams versus uh, DT and Golden Tate, Man, even though Tate and Demarius have the better matchups by a long shot because of that Diggs one, I'm not really scared about that Rams secondary. It's just a matter if Cousins has enough time to get the ball out. And I think Diggs is pretty uh, motivated. So Adams has a uh, real good matchup too. I'm going to give the advantage to Adams and Diggs over Tate and Thomas, even though Tate and Thomas have a good matchup. At tight end, we got Tyler Eifert versus David Njoku. Uh, this is a good question mark one, but I'm going to have to go with David Njoku. I think Eifert has a chance if Green is hampered to actually be more involved, but I think that Baker's uh, attention for Njoku in the preseason and in practice, I think he's going to end up having the better game in Oakland. And I think that Cleveland offense is going to t click, whereas I think Cincinnati will struggle a little bit with all the injuries. 
So advantage in Joku. And then finally in the flex, we got Corey Davis versus Randall Cobb right now. Now, if Alshon plays, there's a good chance he gets slotted in. And if not, uh, he doesn't really have any other options as Thompson and Funches are both on bye weeks. As far as Corey Davis, there is a chance if Cooks plays that uh, Alfred Morris, uh, Quincy Inunua could get uh, slid in. And, um, I mean, Brandon Cooks has looked phenomenal and he's got the speed to maybe take it up to the Minnesota defense with that pass rush kind of struggling. All these are great options. Uh, Corey Davis is the one that scares me. I don't expect he keeps him in. I think he'd probably lean for the upside of Cooks, just hoping for that big game. Or if Alf could be a flex option, then just the safety of Alf. I don't think that Quincy gives safety. I don't think that uh, Corey Davis gives safety or upside. So... Uh, I'm going to go Advantage. If uh, Alshon plays, I actually like Alshon, but I'll go Advantage with uh, whoever slides into Clay's flex. And then last, we got the Vikings versus the Seahawks, and we got to lean with uh, we got to lean with the Seahawks. The Rams are too good. The Vikings are a little banged up and missing pieces. And although Arizona will look better, I do think that the Seahawks still get some good turnovers. And uh, Rosen doesn't just electrify, so advantage Seahawks. Uh, but overall, unless Kirk Cousins really screws the poach here, I'm actually going to go for probably what would be considered maybe the upset now. I don't think anyone would consider it the upset, but I'm going to take uh, Turn Your Head and Coughlin for the win. Next up, we have Brown and some Scrub versus Unja and France. Well, at least one of you guys is going to turn into a 500 team. At quarterback, we have Matt Ryan versus Patty Jack Mahomes. I'm going to give the advantage to Matt Ryan here. I think this is the first time we actually see Patrick Mahomes not play up to snuff a little bit. Uh, I think he'll still be decent, but give me that Matt Ryan love. I swear, though, after this week, if Patrick Mahomes proves me wrong, I will forever think he is one of the best quarterbacks. At running back, we got Deion Lewis and Tavon Austin. Versus Jordan Howard and Carlos Hyde. Now with Christian McCaffrey out. This is going to be rough for some scrubs here. <laughs> this is like real bad. And I mean advantage Hyde and Howard. There's no question about it. Philly's a tough defense for Deion Lewis. And Tavon Austin's completely a hoping on a long touchdown play. Uh, over at receiver though. It is Antonio Brown and Tyreek Hill. Versus A.J. Green and Larry Fitz. Now, this one does turn to Brown as advantage, as he and Tyreek are clearly better than a groin hurt Green and a aged Fitz with a brand new quarterback. I mean, he might be able to do something, but who knows? And then you also have the chance you could always slide in Callaway or Ginn, but either way, there's no way they compete with Brown and Hill. 
uh, over at the tight end position. Even though he hasn't been showing us much lately, we got to give it to Gronk over Graham. Although Graham can have a good game, we just it's so hard to bet against Gronk. So give me that uh, Gronk smash for the win at tight end. And finally, at the flex, we got James Conner versus Nelson Aguilar or maybe Amari Cooper. I don't know if you'd want to risk him at that. Uh, this could be a bad game for him, which means that it might be a good game for him. Who knows? Uh, either way, advantage Conner. Um, Aguilar is going up against a tough pass D. Uh, Cooper is hard to trust, and although Connor has not been super stellar, he has been consistently good. Um, a defense, we got the Packers versus the Broncos, and although I think Patrick Mahomes is going to struggle a bit, there is still going to be points, and I'm going to have to go advantage Packers. They get Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and although... Allen did wonders against the Vikings. I'm not expecting him to continue that. So advantage Packers. Uh, unfortunately, that's where the advantages stop. We got to give it to Frenchie. Uh, Axel's going to get the win. Although I don't love his receiving core compared. He's got too many weapons with the running backs and everything. And it's just unless Tavon Austin came through and Deion Lewis came through, it's just too big of a mountain to climb. So give me France for the win. And finally, in the matchup of the week, we have yours truly, Macho Man Fred Savage versus Hot Noonan Butchers. This isn't actually the matchup of the week, but it's my show, so deal with it. Now, this could be a little bit of a trap game for me, as I have Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Carson Wentz. Both are playing good defenses. Fitz has been hot fire as the number one quarterback in fantasy, and I'm assuming he's playing this week. But that Chicago D is scary, and he might disappoint. And I think Carson Wentz is finding himself. But I'm not going to bet against the beard, so advantage fits, although it makes me weary to say that. Next up, we got Saquon Barkley and Giovanni Bernard versus Duke Johnson and Ty Montgomery. Uh, there's a chance I could slide in Aaron Jones, but I doubt it, especially with mixing out. Uh, Gio would be the play. And although Duke Johnson has not shown us anything and Ty Montgomery has shown us very, barely little, this is another one of those games where I feel like, oh man, these guys could screw me over. But I'm still going to give advantage to me with Saquon and Gio. At the receiving core, we got T.Y. Hilton. And actually, no, T.Y. would be my flex. We got Jarvis Landry and Marvin Jones versus DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Crabtree. I'm going to give the, or actually, no, DeAndre and Juju. We'll, we'll fix it and just call it what it is. Advantage, uh, Juju and DeAndre. Uh, Landry's going to get his and do real well. I think Marvin Jones is going to do just fine. But you can't deny what Juju's been doing. And I think this is a good game for DeAndre to bounce back. So advantage to them. On the ugly tight end front, I should have put more than a $0 bid on a tight end. 
So I will be playing Eric Ebron versus Jared Cook. Uh, although Ebron might see some work, um, I think Cook will get utilized more, and a slight edge goes to Cook for that. Um, on the flex position, we got T.Y. Hilton versus Michael Crabtree. I still have a chance that Breda is healthy, and then him or Sammy Watkins could get slid in there. Uh, I got Deshaun Jackson to slide in there, but let's just assume I'm probably going to follow through with T.Y. And, uh... I like him slightly better than Crabtree, but not by a lot. Um, there is a chance that he plays Kenny Stills. It's a good matchup. New England hasn't done much, and Stills, although he hasn't seen a ton of targets, has been very productive for the most part with them. Uh, with that said, though, with the... Oh, sorry. And then we have the defenses. Jaguars are the clear-cut favorite over the Ravens, who have to play Pittsburgh. There's a chance I could pick up a defense in time, but as of now, let's just assume Jaguars are the advantage. And although I should be the winner in this game, and I will call for me winning, you can see how this is a trap game. I can see a scenario where Jaguars go ham, where his receivers go ham, and Carson Wentz does enough, and the advantage of running back doesn't matter. So, put me down for the win, but I'm not feeling super confident about it this week. So, just to review, we got the Megalodons, SC Honkers, Popeye's Sailorman, Turn Your Head in Coughlin, Frenchie, and me for the wins. Next up, let's move over to the Dynasty League. In the first matchup, we have Jones and for some TDs versus I've Got a Feeling. Woohoo! Now, man, Greenwood is going ham on this league so far, albeit with not many points against him. But sitting atop at uh, 3-0, he's loving life. Let's see if he can keep it going. At the quarterback position, we got TB12 and Big Ben Roethlisberger versus Mitch Trubisky and Matty Snapback himself. Now... This hurts me a little bit, because although I am not loving uh, TB12 this week in Big Ben compared to what they are being projected as, they are an advantage over Stafford and Trubisky, and it's mostly because of Trubisky. I just do not believe him in him at all. I think they lean on the run game, even though they somehow don't give Jordan Howard that many runs, and... Advantage, TB12, and Big Ben. Next up at the running back position, we have Lamar Miller and Chris Carson versus Leonard Fournette and Alex Collins. Now, if Leonard Fournette doesn't go, we got TJ Yeldon, JJ, or James White to slide in there. And as of right now, with Chris Carson in, the only other option is Chubb and Eckler. Um, I'm guessing, or maybe Aaron Jones, but we're going to lean in saying that it's going to stick out with uh, Chris Carson in there, so if Leonard Fournette plays, it's it's going to be a close one, because I see Alex Collins getting moved, uh, moved out of the game plan if Pittsburgh runs the score up, 
But until we know otherwise, advantage Leonard Fournette and Alex Collins. On the receiver front, we got Jarvis Landry and Adam Thielen versus Julio and Tate. I do think Thielen is a great play. I think Landry is a great play. And I'm going to give the advantage to them over Julio and Tate. And that's not even including the fact that the third wide receiver is sitting in the flex position, Odell Beckham. So mix and match the top two of those versus Julio and Tate. I just, Tate's not getting enough work. Julio is been made less relevant by Calvin Ridley because he is getting all the coverage and not the production. So advantage uh, Clay on that end. As far as tight ends, that's a clear-cut advantage for Zacherts over Benjamin Watson, although this could be a game for Benjamin Watson. It could also not be. He's not super involved every week. On um, the flex position, we got OBJ versus Manuel Sanders or slot in Landry or Thielen. Either way, uh, man, Sanders has a great matchup, and I think he's going to do great things, but I think he's still third fiddle to any of these guys, with the exception of maybe Thielen. Um, but as it sits now with OBJ, I'm going to go advantage OBJ over Sanders. Um, defense, we got Jaguars against the Jets versus Bears and Tampa Bay. Advantage Jaguars, although they'll both get turnovers and sacks. The Jaguars just have the easier matchup, so... With the advantages at quarterback, running back, and tight end and defense, I'm going to actually lean, as much as it hurts me, uh, I'm going to lean to Johnson for some TDs moving to 4-0. and oh. There is also a chance that he slides in Matt Ryan, which I like better than some of the other guys, or like better than TB12 this week. So, I mean... I just I don't see any way that uh, Clay can pull out the win with his limited running back pool. So advantage Jones and for some TDs, Jones and for a win. Next up we have this means war versus fear the juice. At the quarterback position, we have Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr versus Breeze and Dalton. Give me advantage, Breeze and Dalton. Breeze is going to go ham, Dalton can do enough, and Carr is just terrible with a broken Rodgers not needing to do a lot. This is just clear-cut, easy advantage for Fear the Juice. At the running back position, this is where it gets a little tougher. We got... Alvin Kamara and Sony Michelle versus Todd Gurley and Zeke. There is a chance that Sony gets some work because Miami is not worried about him and is worried about Gronk. Alvin is the number one running back of this whole group for me. And I know that Minnesota is going to do everything they can to stop Gurley, but they can't. Same with Detroit and Zeke, so give me advantage to uh, Gurley and Zeke, I guess. At the wide receiver position, we got Keelan Cole and Sammy Watkins versus Antonio Brown and Will Fuller. Now, he has the option of playing in Allen Robinson 
And uh, there's a potential for Doug Baldwin here. Uh, my guess is that he's going to slide in one of those guys for Sammy and maybe even for Keelan Cole. Uh, either way, though, it doesn't matter. You can't really compete with Antonio Brown and Will Fuller getting a choice matchup in Indy. That is just too much to overcome. Uh, what isn't too much to overcome is David Njoku, although I like him this week. I think Travis Kelsey is the play. Um, and I talked about it before. I think that Travis Kelsey... Wait, no, 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 no. I take that back. I take that back. I think I might have actually said this earlier, and now when I was looking at it, I went too chalk. Ah, I don't like Kelsey this week, and Njoku is going to run free. I think, I think I'm still going to give Njoku the win, but not by much. Uh, anyways, we got Demarius Thomas and Carlos Hyde in the flex. Now, there's not really anyone over Thomas that's going to get played, but Carlos Hyde, there's a possibility. I don't see why, though. He's been balling it out. And although I love Hyde and the run he's going to get, he still does have to compete with two other running backs. And I think Demarius Thomas being the second uh, option is going to find the end zone and actually play decent in a high-scoring game. So give me a slight advantage to Demarius, but not by much. Uh, next up, we got Packers and Cardinals. That's an easy one for me. I'm going to take the Packers over the Cardinals. Although the Cardinals are a decent defense and Seattle has been giving up a bunch of shit. The fact is that Russell Wilson is still pretty awesome. So advantage Packers against that Buffalo offense. And with that being said, we're going to give the win to Fear the Juice. I think their quarterbacks... And receivers are going to be a little too much for this means war to overcome. And I just think that it's going to be a good high score and close game. But in the end, Fear the Juice is going to come out with the win. Next up, we have the international battle, Frenchies versus Americans. At the quarterback position, old Cammy Newtons is on bye, and Jimmy Garoppolo is on injured reserve. So as of right now, the only play is Marcus Unhurt Mariota. Ouch. Advantage? Anyone. Anyone. Because he's going up against Jacksonville. Now, Frenchie might make some moves, but clearly he is just run into a brick wall that he cannot run through. And whether it's Josh Allen or Blake Bortles as that second uh, quarterback, advantage Americans. At the running back position, we got Jordan Howard and Talvin Coleman versus Saquon Barkley. And as of right now, LaShawn McCoy. Now, if Shady is not able to play, you got uh, Crowell that's going to slide into there. And... I believe that is the only other option. Uh, but Saquon is just hot fire. Uh, the question is, if, if Shady plays, advantage Saquon and Shady. If Shady uh, doesn't play, advantage Jordan Howard and Coleman. So we'll err on the side of him playing. He's saying he is, so advantage Saquon and Shady. 
at the receiver position, we got John Brown and Tyreek Hill versus DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. Although Keenan Allen did not have a great game last week, and it looks like he's lost a little bit of ceiling, I think his floor is still there. And DeAndre Hopkins is a great play, although Tyreek Hill can and will do well on the road against Denver. I think the advantage goes to Frenchie on the receiving core. And at the tight end position, it's going to be Kyle Rudolph because Evan Ingram is also out on injury. Man, I think you've been spending a little too much time with Gil and you caught the injury bug because your whole team is going down, man. So, Kyle Rudolph is the advantage over Eric Ebron. I think Rudolph has a big game. And even if you slide in Mike Gesicki, or I think that's the only other option at tight end you have because Jordan Reed's on a bye. Either way, I think Kyle Rudolph is the better play. Speaking of better plays, the question is which number two receiver will win out in the flex? Is it going to be Tyler Boyd? Is it going to be Juju? A star is born. It, we can't really do anything but go with Juju in this. As great as Boyd has been, if Green is not there or not 100%, then defenses have to pay more attention to him. And Juju has just been hot fire since the start of the season, so give me the safety net of Juju for the advantage. Uh, speaking of advantages, I think the Browns are the advantage over the Seahawks, as Derek Carr is probably worse than Josh Rosen, but at least at least the Oakland defense will not, or I mean, at least the Browns offense won't put themselves in a negative position. So between that and the stronger Cleveland defense, I'm going to give them the advantage. So, unless something changes, this is an easy pick for me. I have to go with the Americans for the win because they have quarterbacks. And that is way too important of a position in this league. So, give me the Americans for the win. If you want, I will revisit this if Axel makes some moves. But other than that, he's going to lose. Next up, we have Team Gravelin versus Team Bye Week. After being very vocal on his greatness, bye week has now lost two in a row, going to a record of one and two versus one and two Gravelin. So first up at the quarterback position, we have Philip Rivers and Andrew Luck versus Patty Jack Mahomes and Sam Darnold. Advantage, Rivers and Luck. Although Luck isn't 100% and Houston will get after him, especially if Clowney plays. Um, and I know Mahomes is great, but, I mean, you can't argue with the fact that Jacksonville is going to eat Sam Darnold's face off. And with, uh, Flacco might be the replacement, I think he would be the better play. I'd still give the advantage to Rivers and Luck. Um, so, next up we got the, the running backs. We got Melvin Gordon and Dalvin Cook versus David Johnson and Kareem Hunt. Uh, I mean, we've already said it. I don't feel great about Kareem, and David Johnson's not looking uh, the greatest so far. But, I mean, he's got to be better than he's been with Rosen under center. Uh, with that said, Melvin Gordon is the best running back in this group, and if Dalvin Cook plays, he's in line for some catches and some good work. 
So if he slots in, or if he doesn't play, then we can slot in Marshawn Lynch. And with that, I think Melvin Gordon's just the advantage too much to overcome. So advantage Gordon and Cook. At the receiving core, we got A.J. Green and Devontae Adams versus Stephon Diggs and Mike Williams. Now this is some powerhouse names versus some guys that do things. Uh, as much as I believe in Diggs, the question mark of Mike Williams is a little too scary because although he can do some great things, there is some uh, there's a good chance or there's a good chance that he falls off the map too. And even though AJ Green is hurt a little bit, uh, Adams is going to get his, and we can slot T.Y. Hilton as the number two receiver over Green if he's hurt. So advantage Devonte Adams side. At tight end, we're not really sure if Jack Doyle is going to play, so we can assume O.J. Howard's going to be in versus Gronk. And as much as I like Howard, we can't pick him over Gronk. That's crazy, right? Right, yeah. So, advantage Gronkowski on the tight end. At receiver, or at flex, we have T.Y. Hilton versus Giovanni Bernard. If uh, A.J. Green doesn't play, we can maybe slide in Lynch or Cup or any number of other guys. And we should assume that Mixon's not playing. So uh, the question is, do I like the running back or the receiver? Um... I mean, honestly, I think that Geo plays pretty well, and I think that uh, Atlanta is still susceptible to pass-catching running backs. So give me advantage Geo over Hilton, but not by much. And finally, we got the battle of the defenses, Rams versus Eagles. Advantage Eagles. They get to play a stranger arm, Mariota, and the Rams have a angry Minnesota offense. So, Eagles win with that. And although I like a couple, piece, couple pieces on Chris's team, I'm going to call for the Gravelin win going to 500 and dropping Chris down to 1 and 3. So, Team Gravelin getting a bye week. And up for the final matchup, your matchup. Of the week, we have yours truly, Bill Belichick, Puppet Master versus the 55s. Now, this is the point where Brian's going to listen to this, get angry, run around a little bit, hit some stuff, and then listen to it again, write down some uh, provocative, intelligent notes, then rip up those provocative, intelligent notes and talk out his ass on the chat to me as to why I bashed him so much. But hold up. We don't know. I haven't looked at the matchup yet, and I might call you the advantage. Let's wait and find out. First up, we have the battle of the quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson versus Ryan, and Ryan Tannehill versus Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield. Now, I'm pretty sure that he's going to avoid the Thursday night game with Goff and Cousins, so let's assume that it's Wentz and Mayfield. Uh, like both, I don't think Wentz is going to have to do too much, and Baker is always a couple of high vulture touchdowns away from being just a yardage guy, even though 
He is now the man in town. So I'm going to go advantage to Sean Watson and Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill is playing lights out well. And you got to love the new NFL craze, which is not even holding the ball, but touching it forward and calling it a pass. And uh, Deshaun Watson, I think, is going to continue his fantasy dominance, or climb back to dominance, and have a great game against Indy. So advantage me. At the running back position, we have James Conner and Kenyon Drake. Versus Carrion Johnson and Philip Lindsay, or I don't know. Do you even have another running back you'd want to slot in that isn't on bye week? Nope, he does not. So this is the matchup, and although Philip Lindsay should do well, who knows? He might get suspended. Doubtful, but we'll see. Whereas I don't know what to make. Of Kenyon Drake, I really don't because I can't figure out Adam Gase. And James Conner, he's all right. But Baltimore is a tougher matchup than people think. So believe it or not, if Philip Lindsay plays, I'm going to give advantage to the 55s in the running back department. But at receiver, we have... Michael Thomas and Marvin Jones versus Brandon Cooks and Mike Evans. And although Evans has been amazing, he has not been as amazing as Michael Thomas. Although Brandon Cooks is fast and good and seen a lot of targets, the one thing he hasn't done is score touchdowns. Touchdowns like Marvin Jones has. Or touchdowns like... Amari Cooper or Alshon Jeffrey are capable of dropping anytime I feel like plugging them in because I can predict when that's going to happen. I can. But with that, I'm not going to bet against Michael Thomas. He is the clear-cut favorite here. And because of that and that juicy matchup, I win a receiver. My receiver is going to score like a bazillion points. And it doesn't matter who you throw out there. You don't have a chance on that end. But what you do have a chance at is the tight end position. As I'm going with low snap percentage and low target volume, but monster gains. Vance McDonald versus George Kittle. And I love Kittles and Bits. I really do. But now that he doesn't have a good quarterback to throw to him is he going to get leaned on and that's how he's going to make his day or is uh old man jared cook the play i don't know either way advantage vance mcdonald i think that those receivers give them so much problems that vance is going to eat and eat he will do Next up, at the flex position, we got Calvin Ridley. Oh, he must score three touchdowns a week versus the true master of dominance, Kenny G himself. Advantage Kenny Galladay. No one has as smooth routes as him. Calvin Ridley has smooth routes, but he doesn't have the smooth routes. Galladay is the man, and he is going to feast all over Dallas. And yes, I'm going to double dip on you as of right now. Could it change? Yes, maybe. 
but I'm gonna double I'm gonna double mint gum all over your face with two lines receivers. And then I'm gonna play the Texans defense in Indy versus your weak little Titans defense. And you're gonna hope that your Titans can do enough in the return game or whatever against Carson Wentz. But it's not gonna matter. Because the Texans aren't that great either, and I called this one kind of a wash, but advantage Texans. But that's okay. That's okay. It's, don't, don't worry. Let's, let's tally up the vote, and let's find out who's going to win this game. Uh, let's see. Actual, we know what they are right now. Quarterbacks, check. One good running back, check. One great running back that... His coach doesn't believe in him, but he could have a good game check. The greatest receiver in the game right now, check. A pair of Lions, check. One with the smoothest routes ever. Okay, I thought I was going to help you out, but you know what? The 55s aren't getting any charity wins over here. The number one offense in the league continues his dominance with another massive, massive performance. And barring a miracle, should go to 500. Even though I'm unjustly at 1-2 and two right now. Advantage, Bill Belichick, puppet master. So to run that back, we got Jones in for some TDs, Fear the Juice, the Americans, Team Grabbling, and Bill Belichick's puppet masters for the win. Well, again, we'd like to uh, thank the fantasy philosopher today for his uh, a little bit scary and creepy, but uh, ultimately insightful, insightful uh, take on the younger players in the league. And uh, I'd like to thank myself for just an amazing, amazing show. As always, you can find me on Twitter at the FF Goonie, and. Good luck in your matchups this week. And remember, Goonies never say die. Folks. <laughs>